Alrighty, folks, welcome to another installment of The Bright Side. With you here, as always, my name is Joshua Bright. I'll be your host for the evening, and I'm joined, as always, Jim from High and Wide. Jim, how you doing today? Doing great, man. I'm excited for another episode of The Bright Side. Yeah, are you bored yet? Are you bored with the offseason? You know, yeah, I guess, but doing podcasts with you and, and guys like Kyle and Jack and obviously Dan keep things interesting, so I'm having fun still. Oh, stop it. <laughs> so, speaking of board, it's really hard to keep my attention away from hockey when the NHL keeps dropping these bullshit lists on me every two weeks. Oh. You know, they're leaving off Ivan Provorov. They're putting Claude Giroux in the top wingers list, which, love the guy. I don't know if I'd put him in the top 20 wingers. And finally, the, the granddaddy of them all is the power rankings they released coming into next season. <clears throat> so, maybe I should pull it up. Because I got to do some justice. You know why they're probably leaving flyers off? Because bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely perfect. But so the NHL puts out this list. Uh, I think it was uh, from a writer's group. Uh, the top 10 teams going into next season. And absent from that list are the Philadelphia Flyers. Your Philadelphia Flyers, who finished second in the Metropolitan Division, very close for first in the Met- Metropolitan Division. Lost in Game 7 of the semi-conference finals. On that list were the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins were knocked out by the Montreal Canadiens in five games. Am I right? Five? Yep. In the little play-in tournament they had. And also on that list was the Edmonton Oilers. <clears throat> the Edmonton Oilers lost to a team who just told their fans, we are no longer a competitive NHL franchise, and we are fully tanking. They lost to that Chicago Blackhawks team in that play-in round, but they're on this power ranking over the Philadelphia Flyers. Make it make sense to me, because I'm I'm lost. I really can't. I mean, the Oilers <laughs> lost to get into the playoffs as well, right? Like, they, Did they actually make the playoffs, or they lost in the play-in? I can't remember. They lost in the play-in, but they were in position to make the playoffs had, right. you know, COVID not hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. Part of me is like, do they do this for a reason? Maybe like Flyers fans, like maybe we get offended and they know that we're going to react. Oh, we give them the clicks. Like they have us to thank for all their attention. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So part of me thinks that they know what they're doing. But the other half of me is like, how can anybody take these lists serious if they keep doing this? Because leaving Prover off the list okay, maybe there's some kind of argument out there, right? But to, not, but to not have the Flyers in the top 10 in the league, I think is a is a bad look. I mean, you look at what they did to some of the teams in front of them just in the Metro. They went 3-0-1 against the Capitals, could have probably gone 4-0. They mopped the ice with the Hurricanes. I'm pretty sure they went 4-0 against them. Uh, and the Penguins, I think they went 1-1-1. But, uh, you know, in a seven-game series in the playoffs, Flyers would have destroyed them this, this season. Now, I, I do think the Penguins will be better heading heading into next year. They'll be healthy, obviously. But the Flyers roster, for the most part, you know, minus Niskanen and Pitlick, is the same as last year. Second year under Vigneault, which I don't think people are considering enough. Uh, I don't see how you can leave them out of the top ten. Yeah, I think they uh, the the argument for putting leaving Washington in there, who I think the Flyers are a better team than, 
is you know Laviolette and you know he gets the best out of teams in the first year. And I think that's Washington's thinking, you know, they want to give this core one more run. So fair, maybe I'll accept having Washington on there. But Carolina, Edmonton and Pittsburgh on that top 10 list over Philadelphia is just mind boggling. None, none of those franchises are as good as the Philadelphia Flyers. None of those teams have and maybe Carolina pure talent wise. You know, Pittsburgh has their top two guys. But outside of that, they're a dumpster fire. And Edmonton, same story. Two guys, the rest of them are an ECHL franchise. Yep. Yeah, and with, I mean, you mentioned Carolina. Carolina's got a lot of skill on that roster. They have a, a very good coach in Rod Brindamore. Uh, they made some trade deadline moves in Trocheck and Shea, and they'll have those guys for a full season this year. After the deadline, I, I don't think they won a game for, for a little while there, and they still don't have a goalie, so it's like, for me, it's same team as last year. I know they have Sebastian Ajo. Uh, I mentioned Trocheck. I'm going to miss players off that team. It's just the Hurricanes to me just aren't a team that I pay attention to. I, I'm not sure. I think it has to do with them playing in Carolina, and I don't really like their uniforms. There's, there's just nothing <laughs> about Carolina that I'm like, oh, let me see how they're doing, you know. But like I said, the Flyers, I think they swept them last year. If they didn't sweep them, they were three and one. So uh, I just don't get how you can have them in front of Philadelphia. Yeah, I think Philadelphia swept Carolina last year. And, yeah, the only exciting thing about their franchise right now is, you know, having a young stud in Andrei Svechnikov and Sebastian Ajo. But, I mean, otherwise, they they are a very talented team. But you're not scaring me with Peter Morozik and Josh Reimer in that. No. And that's not going to scare a single team in this NHL. And I can't believe they didn't address that either. Yeah. Yeah, you're speaking to the choir there. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the the Edmonton Oilers is an interesting one. Like Connor McDavid's up there. Didn't they? Didn't they sign? Uh, they signed Tyson Barry, right? They did. I'm pretty sure for a season. Did they, did they make one more move? They um. I yes, feel they like did. They got someone to play up with McDavid or something that'll be a little bit interesting there. They let Athanasiu walk, I think. They did. They re-signed uh, what Tyler Ennis. Okay. And then they made a sneaky signing a few days ago, and I'm blanking on it. But if, it, it was just a little uh, Dominic Cahoon, who played in uh, Buffalo, and he played in okay. Pittsburgh, Chicago and Pittsburgh, I want to say. Yeah, and yeah. He, I, I want to say he's two years in his NHL career, but he's produced decent. Mm. So, I mean, if, if he's going to be playing with Connor McDavid, which, I mean, they need wingers for these guys, so... That could be a guy who can produce. He'll be like a career Chris Chris Kunitz to you know just leech off the best player on your line. That's a good name pool right there. Yeah, it could be decent. Yeah, solid signing for Edmonton. Not a guy that they would typically go after. No, but I don't really know in Edmonton. You know how you proceed. You know you have to put wingers around that team, but your goalies suck, your defensemen suck, your wingers <laughs> suck. I mean, you're you're lucky you have two generational talents because the rest of that team is garbage. I know. You can't tell me Dominic Cahoon and Tyson Barry put the Edmonton Oilers in front of the Flyers. So it's just a bad list. No, not if you're getting uh, that Toronto version of Tyson Barry, which is a shell of his former self. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we as Flyers fans have a lot to be mad at, um, especially in uh, in regards to lists. But this is the bright side. We're not going to do that here. Uh, hey, we'll so, use it as a positive thing. Maybe they see these lists and they come out next year and demand some respect. Who knows? Maybe instead of a slow start, they come out pissed off. They are. Yeah, they're absolutely uh, squeezing every juice out of Carter Hart right now. You know, anytime they're talking about goalies, they're giving him credit. They're throwing him on Team Canada's Olympic roster already. So at least we have that going for us. Wow. How about that? 
Yeah, I think it's uh, they had Carey Price, Carter Hart, and Jordan Bennington. And then Mackenzie Blackwood was also in consideration. Wow. Uh, Carter is just leagues above the other two. How about that? That's got to be some great experience for Carter Hart. Playing with his idol behind Carey Price on on the Olympic squad, the national team. That's That's got to be great. Huge confidence. Not that he needs any more confidence. Huge confidence boosted at all. Yeah, no, that kid's gonna be so exciting for the for the entire country of Canada and our poor little city in Philadelphia. Yeah, dude, if he can handle playing in front of Canada, he's gonna crush it here. He already is. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta be careful of uh, a few media guys. Otherwise, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is the bright side. We're gonna be positive. So let's be positive for the future because we did a draft show a few weeks ago, and I was piping up all the prospects we had. And there was one who I first off mispronounced his name and second off called him the most unsexy pick of all of our picks. And he is turning out to bend me over and shove it up my ass right now because <laughs> Elliot Denoyer has been incredible in Halifax. He's had two four goal games. He's reached his career uh, QMJHL goal total of 11, which is his career high last year in 62 games. In his, how many games has he played this year? I believe 12. 20. Oh, 12. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're 12, right. I 12 games, that. 11 goals. I mean, you know, playing third or fourth line in Moncton was obviously holding him back. And, you know, he goes out to Halifax. He's wearing the A, and he is producing and shutting me the hell up. So, I mean, what do you think about this kid? I mean, he, he's just oozing confidence right now. So, one four-goal game for me is kind of like, I'm not going to lie. When somebody scores four goals... It has to get your attention a little bit, right? And you're like, okay, well, what are you going to do next? To come out and score four goals again in less than a month? Dude, I'm not going to say this kid's going to be a superstar, but you scored four goals in the game twice? I don't think that's really a fluke anymore. Like, now it's time to actually start paying attention to this kid. Uh, You said he's got 20 points in 12 games. If you take away those two four-goal games, those eight goals, he's still a point-per-game player, mm-hmm. which, you know, as a fifth-round pick, I would I would take a point-per-game out of the kid. But to have 20 points in 12 games, eight goals in two games, ah, dude, I don't know. Time to start paying attention to Denoye, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, in the CHL, those big offensive outburst games, one you kind of look at as like, you know, a kid had a great game. But, you know, is he going to do that throughout the season? But, you know, he had that four-goal game. He followed up with another four-goal game. Last game, I believe, was a goal and two assists. He's he's producing. His hat-trick goal, I want to say, was a between-the-legs uh, fake. And he, he wrapped it around, you know, put it sick, to the goalie's pad. Just, so sick. He has skill and confidence, and that's great because his the big selling point on Denoye is his hard work and how much he loves to play and how much his teammates love him. So if you're putting all that together... At worst, I think you have a really good third-line player. And if you're going to find a really good third-line player in the fifth round of a draft, Chuck is doing everything Ron did right and so much more. So, lovely. That, that, that's awesome. You mean like he's paying attention to the NHL roster and still drafting good players? Yeah, apparently you can be good now and also care about the future. This is something I didn't know during Ron's tenure. I no. thought we had to suck. <laughs> yeah, I yeah we just completely the neglect the NHL roster and chalk the cupboard up. Yeah, can, speaking, you, of, uh, speaking of neglecting the NHL roster, um, he threw in this guy, right? His name's Yorld. 
Uh, in short, they call him Yuri Laterra. Famous <laughs> for Dave Haxall's last game playing and benching Oscar Lindblom. Yuri Laterra right now in the KHL. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Fourth in points? Yes. 23 oh, points sh- in 18 games, I believe. Is Coke legal in Russia? <laughs> Dude, it might be. There's a lot of snow out there. You could probably confuse it. <laughs> I know they have their Russian gas that they do. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that, but they they, they pump them up with adrenaline. And I don't know if it's helping Yuri move those old feet, but he's scoring at a ridiculous pace. And there is a site, and I'm blanking on the name. I want to say it's NHLE, that they translate uh, talent in, the, in Russia right now and put them, you know, hypothetically in the NHL, what their production would be. And they had Yuri Laterra scoring 65 points over an 82-game season. Now, I don't know what league he's playing. I don't know if he if if that's hypothetically putting him between Marshawn and Pasternak. Is he putting up 65 points? But, hey, good for Yuri. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, good for you. That's uh... – it's just funny, man. You know, I, I maybe a team like the Devils will end up signing. They end up signing all those those Russian league players and from the KHL or whatever, and then they end up leaving them a year later. Luke <clears throat> <Yeah>. Kovalchuk. <laughs> Who's the kid they got last year? He was supposed to be like the Russian uh, Wayne Gretzky. Nikita Gusev. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came yeah. on towards the end of the year a little bit. But. He's a real talented kid. I remember Vegas signed uh, Vadim Shipachov two years that's ago, it. and he was supposed to be like the Russian Gretzky and he comes over here and plays 20 games, scores like one goal. And now he's back there. Absolutely. He said, see you guys later. Yeah. Hey, in Russia, you know, they're getting all that time. So in the NHL, if they're not being gift wrapped top six minutes, you know, they're going to struggle. And a player of that ilk who I think is, is looking real good in Russia right now is Mikhail Vorobiev. Wow. And what he's proven to me right now, is that he has the talent, motor, and you know just the raw ability to be in the NHL, but he's never going to succeed in that fourth line role he's had. And I the thing the Flyers still have his rights for another year or two, and that's someone I would look at. You know if if this center position continues to struggle and you don't get Nolan Patrick back and Morgan Frost is not quite ready to play, you know third line center, I would love if they could find a way to get Mikhail back in the in the lineup. The only issue is his uh, his loyalty to the game of hockey. You know, how much does he care, you know, and how much is he moving his feet on the ice? But that could be a really exciting player for the Flyers since we're talking about Russians. Yeah, you know what? That's an interesting name to bring up. Personally, uh, I'm not the, the greatest Robia fan, but what you said is is very fair. You know, he's a, I think he's more of a skilled forward, you know, middle six kind of guy. His game's not built for the fourth line. And all we've really seen him play with the Flyers is fourth line minutes. So it's it's I don't like to use the term not fair very often, but it almost seems like they're not setting him up to succeed playing on the fourth line with his skill set. So uh, I'll give you that for sure. Yeah, I mean the Rush is a big boy league and he has four goals, five assists for nine points in twenty one games playing for Salavat Yuliev UFA and those those are good numbers for a big boy league like that. So you know, maybe, maybe someday down the line we're looking at that again. But we have our own in house Russian German Rubasov who, you know, we're kinda hoping is gonna take that position over him, but that's not looking too likely. No, he's having his struggles over there in Russia. I think he's playing for H C Soki over there. Uh, I just saw his numbers the other day. I saw four points, I believe, in 16 games, which 
you know, I, I think you're expecting a little bit more from a former first round draft pick playing in a, uh, a I'm just going to say it. It's a lesser league than the NHL. It's, it's a very good league, but it's not the NHL. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I was a Rupsov guy. I really wanted him to pan out because I thought he could have been a very good player for the Flyers, but not looking lightly, likely at least his offensive skills are not likely going to translate. Yeah, it's it's really weird with him because a lot of these times, you when you think of draft picks from Russia, you know, I, I think of guys like Alexander Semen who, you know, they refuse to back check. They're all about scoring. And, you know, they're just they're taking risks and they're not getting back on the puck. And, you know, it's leading to goals against on the ice. You know, German's the exact opposite. He He's very responsible. He plays a very typical defensive center game, but he has an unbelievable skill set that he just refuses to unleash. And he's had a few moments with the Phantoms where you can kind of see he was gaining confidence, but he falls back on these old habits of, well, I'm just going to play the game I know how to play, and that's how to defend my side of the ice. And, you know, I'm not going to lead the rush, and I'm not going to try something that's going to, you know, possibly not work and put my team at a disadvantage. It's just something you don't see from a young player, especially a Russian forward. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and you know, during Hextall's tenure, he, instead of going after the home run picks, he made a point to go out there and grab as many two-way forwards as he could possibly could get. And this might be a, a case of where, you know, this forward caters more to the defensive side of hockey, which is which is great, more so than the offensive side. Um, but I think as fans, your first round pick, we we expect some scoring out of you as well. Yeah, yeah, you do. But uh, that's to be seen. You know, we only have a limited amount of hockey we can watch right now. We have some junior hockey and we have some Russian hockey. No NHL hockey and not really a lot of clarity on that situation of when the NHL is going to be coming back. You know, they keep saying January 1st is what they love to do. But with the NBA announcing that they're going to be coming back on December 22nd, do you think it puts any pressure on the NHL? I do think so. Yeah, a little bit. I believe I saw they're going to make an announcement uh soon this week sometime so this episode is going to be out on a friday i thought i saw that they're going to make an announcement or some kind of decision on thursday so if you're listening now most likely the uh announcement has been made and we'll have a little bit more clarity but i do think that yeah because we didn't hear anything from the nhl until the nba announced december 22nd uh, the NBA ended before the NHL, so for them to have an official start date already, I think absolutely puts pressure on the NHL because what have they been doing this whole time? Uh, what I I've heard stuff about, you know, maybe a Canadian division. They're going to mess with the divisions and setups, and uh, maybe for the first month or so, uh, go with the separate new divisions, the bubble divisions, Mm -hmm. and somewhere throughout the course of the year, things will slowly go back to somewhat normal is what I heard. Uh, But like I said, I I still don't know when the season's going to start, and I I imagine that we'll find out soon. Yeah, I do think it put pressure on them. How about you? Yeah, how weird is that? The NBA finished before the NHL. The NHL has already gone through their offseason and done their draft and done their free agency. And the NBA just announced when their draft and free agency is going to be. They, yeah, it is kinda, weird. They kind of slugged on that a little bit. But, I mean, 
personally, as a fan, I would really hope that it pressures the NHL to come around, you know, around the same time. Because if we're talking about a January 1st NHL start date, then training camp is starting sometime soon. And for teams that the eight teams that didn't make the playoffs at all, who haven't played hockey in almost a calendar year now, wow. they're going to be requesting a uh, extension to training camp, I'm sure. So I'm going to be really interested to see how that plays into the NHL start date because teams like Anaheim, Buffalo, you know, they're going to need time to get back into hockey shape. You know, they weren't just playing a few months ago. So I think it's going to put pressure on the NHL, but I think they have some hurdles to go through before they can really announce like a a definitive day that they want to start. You know, you bring up an interesting point there. You you know, you're out in California. Have you heard anything from the, the sports stations out there about like, you know, teams needing that extra uh training camp and whatnot with anaheim san jose uh the only thing i've heard about out here is the election (laughs) oh my god i know i've been trying to keep off everything dude i muted like 30 words on twitter and i'm trying not to watch tv i went for a hike for the first time in my life on sunday (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know you're trying to get away when you're actually walking outside (laughs) yeah let me go get let me literally go get lost for a couple hours that sounds lovely. Yeah, I have. I've heard nothing out here in terms of hockey. They're they're completely shelving it. You know, it's this isn't a sports state, so you know no one really cares. The Anaheim Ducks will come back when they come back and finish seventh in the Pacific and get another top eight pick. So right. there, there's there's no hockey talk really going on right out here. Yo, real quick, I know we didn't discuss this before the show, but this scenario came up on uh, high and wide on Wednesday. So. Uh, has there been any talk with well? Has there been any talk with Anaheim potentially moving a guy like Josh Manson? Is he like beloved out there? What what kind of is he? Is he a guy that they would be opposed to moving? Um, I haven't heard a whole lot regarding Josh Manson, but I don't think they'd be opposed to moving him if a trade comes by. Now, the thing with Anaheim is they have owners who, you know, they're absolutely beloved by Orange County and they're very frugal in terms of rebuilding. You know, they they're, they they held on. To, they're still holding on to Ryan Getzlov. You know, they held on to Perry till the very end and then let him go. You know, they have so many players that they could have shipped off at the deadline for picks. And the only guy they end up trading is Andre Andre Kasha. They don't strike me as a team who is ever going to sell off an important piece. Because, you know, they still have Cam Fowler out there, and he's been an important player for them forever. Um, Hampus Lindholm is a cornerstone defenseman who they're never going to move. Jakob Silverberg is another guy. Like, he could have got you a first-round pick and a high-end prospect if you traded him at any point, but they re-upped him. You know, they're a team who are very reluctant to move players. So, yeah, Josh Manson isn't in their top four. You know, they got some really good uh, young defensemen coming up, and their, their current core is pretty young. So, I mean, it would make sense maybe on paper, but the Anaheim Ducks just aren't a team who make moves like that. So I think you'd have to blow their socks off for them to move a guy like Manson because he's a good sophomore defenseman. Yeah. All right. Figured I'd ask if, uh, because, you know, you're kind of plugged in over there as far as what's happening out in the California uh, market. So I figured I'd bring that up. Yeah. No, there's, there's, the uh, the hockey community is pretty solid out here. Everyone kind of knows each other there. It's nice. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move back to a franchise that matters. <laughs> um, mailbag <laughs> questions. So we uh, we took to Twitter. We asked some people to write us in some questions, and we took some polls. So I'm gonna have you start off with uh, your first poll. What questions do we have? So 
on the first poll here, I have who finishes with the most goals next season. And got 141 votes. And the choices are James Van Riemsdyk, Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, and Oscar Lindblom. Before I give you the results, who do you think finishes with the most goals next season? Um, my guess would be James Van Riemsdyk because he had a – by all intents and purposes, he had a good season last year. He looked good. And on all of his you know, prototypical in front of the net plays, it wasn't as if he was missing. It was just unlucky. You know, he tried that move so many times and he got stuffed or just hit a post. And I think it's just all going to come together for JVR. And I, I really think it's going to be close. I don't think he's going to lead it by a large margin. I think JVR and Konechny are going to be, you know, neck and neck at like 31-29. But, yeah, I have to go with JVR just based on what he's shown you the last five years. And no real reason to believe that his hands just suddenly don't work anymore. Yeah, I love I love that you said James Van Riemsdyk. Because you know what? So many people are like, what the hell? Listen to this show right now. Like, how can you pick anybody over Travis Konechny? God forbid. But, um, dude, I would love it. I'm hearing, I think it was, uh, I think it was you on Twitter maybe last week that said JVR 33 goals. Kyle said the same thing on one of our shows. There are some people that are high on James Van Riemsdyk, and I think I have to agree. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to matter who he's playing center with. I do think they get the power play stuff figured out for next season, which benefits a guy like JVR. Uh, so yeah, I'm all for JVR leading this team in goals. I do think it's possible. Uh, yeah, so, I think it's I think it's going to be really important to see who's playing power play one uh, on for defense. I think that's going to be a huge huge key to like how these guys are producing. Because if it's still Provorov and power to him, he's not he's not that offensive mind that's seeing the whole ice on a power play as fast as a Shane Gossespierre or an Eric Gustafson. But I don't know if they're ever going to give a guy like that the top power play and the only defenseman on a unit because they're not going to get back in time for that eventual two on one. And that's why we were one of the worst teams on the power play, you know, with shorthanded goals against. So it's really going to matter in that regard, you know, who they're playing with and on the power play, who's quarterbacking. Yeah. Uh, great points there. So let me give you the results. So fourth place in the poll and 9% of you are right. was James Van Riemsdyk with 9%. What the fuck? Wait, what? <laughs> he was bottom? Yeah, out of the that's four just, guys. That's, that's bias. Look, I would love Oscar Lindblom to score 50 fucking goals, be our leading goal scorer, and then we'll build a fucking statue of him because I love him to death. But, like, let's be realistic here. He hasn't played a whole lot of hockey. But, okay, uh, I'll chill. <laughs> so, tied for second and third, I guess, are Sean Couturier and Oscar Lindblom with 21%. Uh, so there's 50% of your votes right there between those three players. Travis Konechny got 49%, which, yeah, okay. I mean, he led the team in goals this year with 24, scored 24 goals three years in a row. I don't think that's a bad choice, Mm-mm. but I'm shocked that JVR got just 9%. Yeah, like, look, Coots is going to score his 28 goals or whatever he does, you know, in a full season. That's what he does. He is a model of consistency, scoring the same amount of fucking points throughout his entire career. He's going to score near 30. Travis Konechny is a little bit of a wild card because he misses the net a lot and his shot's unpredictable. But if he's on fire, I could see him getting 35. But 
it, that's going to depend on who he's playing with. And Oscar Lindblom, if he's if he's playing at that pace that he was last year, he he'd be my pick. But there's so much uncertainty there. I just don't see how you don't go with a guy that scored 36 goals before and who had a really good season last year and just had shit luck on a power play of veterans that just weren't producing in their normal respect. I mean, Giroux didn't have his 90 point season, and a lot of that comes from assists on the power play, and it, that just wasn't clicking this year. If it clicks next year, both those guys are getting huge boosts, but. JVR at fourth, like, come on, Twitter. By like a distant fourth, too. So, yeah, JVR is my pick as well. Crazy. Uh, shows how smart we are, 9%. Yeah, it makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the next poll here. We have, who would you like to see paired with Ivan Provorov next season? So it got 77 votes. I guess this poll wasn't as popular. Your choices are Travis Sanheim. Phil Myers, Eric Gustafson, and Shane Gossespierre. <laughs> I know, toughy, right? Okay, like in my heart of hearts, I want it to be Shane Gossespierre. <laughs> we all want it to be Shane Gossespierre because we want it to be 2017 Shane Gossespierre scoring 65 points and that being one of the top defensive pairings in the league. I just don't think that's feasible. However, I do want to try it. So I really want Shane Gossespear to be that guy. I want the coaching staff to give him the confidence. And, you know, they, you know, they, they gave him props in the bubble saying he was working hard and he's healthy. You know, if he's fully healthy and he's working hard, give him that shot because he's, he's been there at some point. But I think the honest answer you have to go with is Phil Myers. Yeah. And I love that you said ghost. Do you know why? Because if Ghost is just decent next season, and this has a lot to do with Ivan Provorov as well, because I think this offseason we're saying they lost a guy like Matt Niskanen. And I know Ivan Provorov is only 23, but eventually he's going to have to step into that you know, leadership Matt Niskanen role. And so what's wrong with Ivan Provorov adjusting his game to Shane Gossespierre a little bit, you know, as opposed to, you know, the opposite, you know, somebody kind of helping Provorov along, you know, a leader is a guy who makes somebody else better. And so I would be curious to see if Shane Gossespierre is healthy and that's, what's been holding him back the last two years. I think it's worth a shot to see how it works out. You know, now I don't know if it's going to be an elite, top pairing but if if ghost can i don't know put up 45 to 50 points playing with Provorov and and you know mistakes are going to come but limit the mistakes i'd be interested to see how that works out so yeah i think uh, i think you made a really good point with the ivan Provorov (laughs) thing needing to be a leader and taking charge the one thing that does freak me out is that we're only one year removed from that awful contract year he had where he was, he looked like, at best, you know, a good number three. And, you know, this year, he looked like a number one and was a number one. And I think it's going to be a bigger year for Provorov than anyone else to to show, like, hey, I can do this without, you know, the perfect line mate with me because I'm that good of a defenseman. Because no matter who it's going to be, if it's going to be Ghost, if it's going to be Myers, Sanheim, or Gustafson, none of those guys have played consistent top two minutes. So Provorov's going to have to be the alpha male on that line. And, you know, he gives off that energy of being it. So 
I think that's a really good point. I'm more curious to see how Proveral performs than any other defenseman on that roster. And I, I like that you said alpha male because that's what I'm looking for. Like, who's actually going to take the reins here now? Because like, they got Provorov, at least to me, I look at him as that kind of prototypical player. And he plays like it, you know. So let's, like, when's it going to be? How, do we have to wait for that another year? Or is he going to, you know, grab the reins now? So I'll get to the results here. So it's no, it's no surprise. Shane Gossespierre and Eric Gossespierre are at the bottom with 12% apiece. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think also unshockingly, like it is a little bit shocking that his percent is so low here. Is thir- uh, finishing second is Travis Sanheim with 14%, and Phil Myers finishing with a whopping 62%. Now, I have a little bit of issue with this. Because if Phil Myers is starting the year with Ivan Provorov, your second pairing, I think, is considerably worse with Sanheim and I'll assume Gustafson playing that position. So in my opinion, your top pairing is just way better than your second pairing, you know? Yeah, what I'm getting at from this is Twitter is no fucking fun. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you're giving nothing to Ghost or Gus. Like, that would be so fun if either of those guys are playing at that level they used to. Yeah. You have an actual fun offensive pairing. I mean, Provorov and Myers will be good. They're not going to be flashy and sexy. You know, they're both two really good defensemen, but they're not, like, offensively dynamic. They're not Kale McCarr, and they're not... uh. Who's the guy in Vancouver? Quinn Hughes. You know, they're they're good. You know, Provorov led power play goals for defensemen for a long time last year. I don't know if he, he finished on top, but, you know, they have offensive ability, uh, offensive ability, but neither of those guys are going to, you know, excite you. And so why don't you take a guy like Ghost who can be exciting? Or, you know, if he doesn't pan out and you're not going to give it to him, give it to a guy like Gus who he's in the position that Ghost would like to be in where – a guy like him needs a fresh start. Gus has a fresh start on a team that could use a top two defenseman. So either of those guys just need to be flashy and need to play their game confidently because I have a feeling both of those guys won't be playing to the level they can. It's going to be one or the other. And I would prefer that guy is playing on a top unit so we could still have a very consistent Sanheim Myers on our uh, second pairing. I agree. And... I'm gonna. I'll ask the listeners a question. I'll ask you as well. Would you take a dip in offensive production from Ivan Provorov, you know, if he's playing with a guy like Shane Gossespear, if it meant Shane Gossespear scores between 50, 55 points next season? As long as Ivan Provorov is, you know, driving play, getting the puck out of his zone, and yep. limiting those mistakes, I could care less if he doesn't score a goal. Yeah, I mean, I just I want to see Provorov play his game, yep. and you know if he's if he's playing with a sixty point ghost, you know he's he's obviously setting up some of those plays, or he's providing Ghost the ability to set up those plays because he's defending his own zone his own zone so well. So I would happily take a dip in Provorov's production if it means we're getting a dynamic player in Ghost, and we can still have a really good Sanheim and Myers. And then figure out what you're doing with Braun, Gus, and Hag on the third pairing. I mean, that that's going to be a fucking circus on how they're going to yeah. do that third pairing. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces. And I guess the point of my question was, you know, because people might be asking, well, why does Provorov's production go down if ghosts go up? And I meant it in the sense that, 
you know, Provorov is going to be more focused on defense. He's not he's not going to be the guy taking as many offensive chances because the guy that he's partnered up with, he knows that's the guy that's going to be doing the spin moves at the blue line or, you know, whatever uh, fancy play to create offense. So he knows that his role is more defense first. You know, that that's how I want to see him adjust to the other guy while still playing his game at the same time. I think that's growth there. Um, so having said that, I'll move on to the next poll. And it's how far can the Flyers go next season with this roster? And the choices are first round, second round, conference finals, and Stanley Cup. All right. This is the bright side. So <laughs> I got to swing for the fences here. I think this team is good enough to have made the conference final this year. I look around the league and I see two NHL teams that are clearly better than the Flyers, and that's Colorado and Tampa, constructed how they are now. No other team, I don't think, is beating the Flyers easily in a seven-game series. So I'm saying with the lineup they have now at full health, and that includes Nolan Patrick, and that includes Oscar Lindblom, this team can make it to the Stanley Cup Final and win the Stanley Cup Final on the back of Carter Hart. So that's where I'm going with. See, I love that you mentioned Carter Hart because everybody forgets about him. I, maybe it's because we haven't had a goalie here in you know, our entire life, but I feel like Carter Hart, if if you know, you're going into a team that's a little you're going into a seven game series with a team that's a little bit better than you, or even tied same skill wise, Carter Hart is the guy that moves the needle for the Flyers. And he was phenomenal last year and he's only gonna get better. That's the thing. Like it's it's insane. So yeah, I, I w- I'm not going to disagree with you there. And this was the most voted on poll. It got 241 votes. Uh, first round got 6%. So there's some not smart fans out there. There's some real Negadelphians, which is fine. You're entitled to your opinion. It's going to be wrong, but it's fine. Save that for the save that for the angry and negative show. We don't want that shit here. <laughs> <laughs> so the second lowest result was stanley cup with 13 percent. so 13 percent of you congratulations you uh listen to our show you know you're right is another thing the flyers can win the stanley cup you know I, they may have to make you know the question is can they win with this current roster they may have to make a trade deadline move they may have to i mean maybe a little bit of luck but like i said like you said they have carter hart and uh, you said it's 13% of 241 people? Yeah. So that means 31 people, I owe you beer because you think like I do and I like you. There you go. So the second most popular answer was second round with 32%, which I think was probably the easiest answer to pick going based off this year because they got canned in the second round. Basically the same team. You could argue it's a little bit uh, – I don't want to say worse because – I. I feel like if you say the roster is worse, people automatically go, oh, yeah, they stink. It's just they lost some energy guys, some physical gritty guys in Niskanen and Pickanen and added a more skilled player in Gustafson. So I can't sit here and say that they're considerably worse. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I, I think – the number one answer was conference finals, 49%, which is very good for a vote with 
41 votes. I think they can get to the conference finals. You said the only team that will give them trouble is Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference. And I agree. I think I think they can still beat the Islanders in the playoffs. Uh, you know, if the scenario is a little different, maybe there's fans that get home ice, things like that, because that factors in, you know. I just I hope they don't get matched up with the Islanders, yeah. you know. Uh, I think a little bit of it is luck, too. And like luck of the draw is actually a thing. And for them to be to have to draw the Islanders this year was just bad luck. Sometimes you, you need to not face a team. You need things to kind of go your way a little bit. And it didn't happen this year. I think it can happen next year. So I would have went with conference finals uh, as well. So Yeah, that would, uh, the conference finals is what I voted for when I saw that poll. But this is my show. And I got to stick on my brand and say the Stanley Cup. Because... And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you said some people forget how important it is to have Carter Hart. Because no one in Philadelphia forgets about Carter Hart. They're forgetting how big that is yeah. to have Carter Hart. Like, do you, do you want to know why Montreal in the last 10 years, even though the roster's garbage, is never counted out of a playoff spot? You can have weakness at third line. You can have weakness in your top four defensemen. If you have a franchise goaltender... That doesn't fucking matter all the time. If you have a guy who is getting back-to-back shutouts, it really doesn't matter how bad your third-line center got toasted in Corsi by the Matt Martin line. You know, I'm not caring too much about roster construction. And, of course, it's important. You know, you want to put the best roster you can on the ice. But when you have Carter Hart, it's all good. It's kosher. Like, I'm just I'm, – I'm putting all my chips on that this guy is going to perform like he did last year every single year for the next 15 years. So it's hard not to be confident that this team could go all the way when they have the best goaltender in hockey. So, I mean, what else can I say? Like, he's Carter fucking Hart. I mean, I'm not really that worried about any team when he's my goalie. I mean, he's playing for Team Canada. Like, you're pretty fucking good if you're playing for Team Canada. Yeah, obviously. Like, he's a stud. And he's on this team for the foreseeable future, and they're going to lock him up for a long time. And, okay, speaking of which, I got a nice question on Twitter from a gentleman named Jamie Baskow, who we all love interacting with, at Jamie Baskow. With Carter Hart becoming an RFA at the end of the 2021 season, what will his contract look like? Jim, what does the man-child get? So, contrary to popular belief, I don't think he gets that big deal yet. I don't think he gets the six by six or seven by seven, whatever people are saying. If you go back and you look at some uh, goalies' uh, first contracts, you look at Theo Fleury, I'm sorry, not Theo Fleury, Mark Andre Fleury and Carey Price, they didn't get paid right away for their first extension. They got sort of a, a bridge extension, like a three by three or a 2.5 by two years or three years. I think that's what's going to happen with Carter Hart. I don't think he's going to get over three or three point five million, uh, maybe a three-year deal. Uh, that's what I foresee happening. I don't think he's going to get to five by five, six by six yet. I think that'll be his next next contract. That'll take him into. So, how old is he now? He's 21, 22 years old tops. I want to say 21. Okay, so a three-year deal will take him to 24. 24, you figure that's the beginning of his prime. I think that's when he gets the big extension. And he's going to kill it for the next three years. So once he turns 24 and that that first contract's up, 
then he's going to get friggin' paid, man. That's what I think. Maybe even that's like a four or five year deal, and then he gets paid one more time. If you're an agent, you're going to want this kid to sign as many contracts as he can. You know, he's going to because he's going to. There's going to be three tiers of of money that he's going to make here. If you sign him to two big deals, you know he's missing out on a couple bucks. I think there. So he's going to sign one at twenty. He's going to sign now. He's going to sign one at twenty four, twenty five. Sign another one at 29, and then, you know, that's going to be another big one. Like, Carey Price is getting 10 by 10 or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I think think it's so hard. The Flyers have a really tough job here because not a lot of goalies break in at 21 years old and become your franchise goaltender. So, you know, how do you throw a contract at someone so young? I'm sure all the Rick DiPietro memes are going to come out eventually because he's a— you know, that that didn't pan out so well for a long-term deal. But so Carter Hart's represented by uh, Judd Moldover, or Moldover, I want to say. And he's the player agent for Austin Matthews, who, you know, we all remember that huge contract that he got. And Roman Yossi, who, uh, you know, he waited a little bit and he got his big ticket. It's really curious, you know, what he's going to want for Carter and, you know, what's Carter going to want and, you know, is there any hometown discount that's going to get? Probably not. He's too young for that. And, you know, he's, he's still new to the city. But, you know, I could see Chuck taking swings right now for the eight-year deal. And I, I wouldn't be mad if he did that. I think it's worth the risk right now. But I, I would agree with your sentiment that, you know, the worst-case scenario is that bridge deal takes him and, you know, he's, I mean, it's not a worst case scenario, but you know, the bridge deal, he's performing how he expects him to perform. And then he gets that massive deal. So it's like either give him the massive deal now where there's some uncertainty or give him the bridge deal and then give him the big deal. You would have given him anyway, at 21 with a little more, a little more signing bonus, a little more incentive and probably a little bit bigger of an AAV. So I would say right now, you know, at the end of next season, Carter Hart signing a three year, you know, $6.5 million contract, I'd say. And then, you know, once he hits 24, 25 and he's ready to sign the eight year 10.5 and, you know, just get what, get what Carey Price got. You know, you outperformed him in the playoffs last year. He's your idol. Get his contract. Yeah. I, great points. I mean, especially when you bring up uh Carey Price, I mean, he did beat him and you could argue he was the only reason that they beat him was because of Carter Hart, a huge reason at least. And, Probably the main reason that they went to seven games against the Islanders was Carter Hart. And this was in his first real full season, you know, first taste of the playoffs. Um, it's hard to argue that you shouldn't pay Carter Hart, but and I'm not arguing against that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I want to go back to when you said, you know, luck of the draw, because I think a lot of people are down on the Flyers because of their entire performance in the playoffs. And I think they got the worst two teams they could have drew yeah. in their position. You know, because had they drawn Washington, had they drawn Carolina, had they drew any of those teams who they matched up well against, I wouldn't have been nervous. We all knew going in New York had our number all season. Yep. You know, we knew that Montreal has an amazing goaltender who's really hard to beat clean. And then they just knocked off Pittsburgh. They're riding high momentum. And they had this long break because of COVID. And now their young players are playing like it's their second year. And, you know, Kakaniemi and Suzuki are running all over the ice. And, you know, Shea Weber's rested. I, it was a tough matchup to come into. 
you know, they're quick. And, you know, the Flyers had a very short training camp before the season started. So I think it was a really bad luck of the draw. And I think Flyers fans need to be a little more optimistic about where the team's going to go next year when things, I hate to say normal because I don't know if we'll get there, but when things are a little bit like they used to be. Yeah, and, you know, I did mention that I think it was towards the end of the regular season and, you know, about the luck of the draw type thing and not being matched up with a certain team. You need a little bit of luck sometimes because – Let's face it, the, on paper, the Flyers are not the best team in the Eastern Conference. That's easily the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so a team like the Flyers, sometimes you need to not face certain teams, you know. Uh, you need, I'm just going to say for an example, you need a team like the Capitals to have the Islanders number. So they take out the Islanders, and you know that you own the Capitals during a regular season, so you could take out the Capitals. And that didn't happen. You know, the Islanders came out and they destroyed the Capitals and the Flyers ended up up getting matched up with the Islanders in the second round. Now, somebody could make the argument as, well, if you're the best team, then it shouldn't matter who you face. Well, like hockey's one of those games, you know, where sometimes another team's strategy is the kryptonite to yours. And that's kind of what happened against the Flyers. Yeah, and... I think you can look at Tampa Bay and say they're the best team in hockey with the team they had last year. And obviously that's going to change now that the salary cap is going to stay flat for the next three years. But, you know, they did very well in the playoffs. But that very first series against Columbus, you know, game one goes five overtimes. And, you know, game five ends on a fluky goal in overtime. I, that series was so close because Columbus knows how to play a team like Tampa. Yep. I think the Flyers in every facet of a team is better than the New York Islanders. I just think the New York Islanders know how to play against a team like the Flyers. And I think that's where the luck of the draw is so important because if the Flyers get any other team, I think this is a much different conversation. I think just the offensive output by players like Giroux, Konechny, and Coots are just different because they're, they're just not getting suffocated. If they're playing a team like Washington, who's just not that good defensively, and then, you know, they're not, they're not all going to trap in their own their own uh, their slot and just you know hang back and play that defensive game. It's just different. It, it, the matchups just sucked for Philly, and I'm not going to use that as an excuse because you still need to beat teams you're better than. But yeah, that that's, that was the luck of the draw. Yeah, exactly. Not, and you know that's kind of the point there. You can be. I mean, we saw it with Tampa Bay. I think it was last playoffs. Best. I think you just said it. Best team. You know, one of the best regular season teams in history just so happened they faced a team built for the playoffs in the first round and got swept, you know, uh, like no one's going to argue with you and say that the, the Lightning were the best team that year. They had the best team on paper and they just they lost to a team built for the playoffs. And, you know, this is kind of a whole nother topic in regards to playoff built teams and regular season built teams. Uh but I don't really want to get into that because this is the bright side and it has a little bit to do with the Flyers. So instead of, you know, kind of dumping on the Flyers a little bit, I'm going to move on to the next poll here. And this one, this is the one that's going to make you laugh. I told you about it before the show. This is the so, surprise. Yeah. So we were talking about Carter Hart a little bit. So which is more likely to happen first? The choices are Ivan Provorov wins a Norris. Carter Hart wins a Vezina. Morgan Frost wins Rookie of the Year, or TK scores a playoff goal. 
<laughs> and so you're laughing now. Wait till you hear the results. So what do you think happens first? All right. I think Morgan Frost has a really good chance to be a top rookie this year, but I think it's going to go to Lafreniere. I believe in my heart of hearts that Ivan Provorov is going to win a Norris trophy. I would have said multiple in the past, but I think there's just a new age of defenseman that he's not quite there. And I think NHL, you know, the uh, the association of writers that vote on uh, trophies like that are going to favor players like Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes and whatnot over a player like Ivan Provorov. That's why he's not getting the recognition he is now. I think Provorov wins a Norris. I think Frost gives a really good shot at rookie of the year. Konechny's gonna score a fucking goal in the playoffs. <laughs> Everyone relax. But Carter Hart's winning a Vesna first. That's the oh first. Oh my god! Happening. And it's not gonna be that long. Dude, that's what the results say, and I, dude, I can't <laughs> help but laugh. Cause, all right, so it's Morgan Frost got point point nine percent, which okay, like it's probably not that likely. It would be nice. Ivan Provorov wins in Norris, 6.5%. So Travis Konechny got 43% of the votes, which honestly I'm completely shocked. I don't know how that's not like 97, 98%. Yeah, if I'm doing the math, that's number two. Yeah. <laughs> Carter Hart wins a Vesna was 49.5%. So... That has to mean that he's going to win the Vesna Trophy next season, right? I was going to say, can I explain myself? Because he's winning it come fucking, I don't know when the end of the season is going to be because the season's weird, but it's this year. This is the year he's winning the Vesna. He's winning that trophy, and then TK is scoring a goal in the first game of the playoffs. And he's going to look right at that camera that's broadcasting <laughs> to NHL NBC. Just two big middle fucking fingers. Just everyone look at what Straight I just did. Straight to me. It's over. Jim at HW specifically, <laughs> though I don't have Twitter. This is who it's directed at. I scored a fucking playoff goal. You can shut your ugly face now, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah dude, I just couldn't believe that. 49% for Carter Hart winning a Vesna and 43 for TK. So, I mean, that's a that's a bright side result if, if Carter Hart's going to win Vesna next year and then TK scores a goal. I mean, hell yeah, I'll take I that. Think, I think that's, that's a consensus that Carter Hart's going to win a Vesna. Because he's already a top five goaltender at age 22. I want to be I want to be fair and say he's 22 now. Who is coming into the league that terrifies you that much, except for Yaroslav Askarov in Nashville? And you know, there's some good goaltenders out there now. You know, John Gibson's gonna have a much better year than he did last year, yeah. and Vassy's still up there. But like, who? Carter Hart's the most exciting goaltender. Fuck Mackenzie Blackwood. We're not talking about him anymore. Carter Hart is going to win a Vesna and he's going to win a Vesna soon. So I think if, if, if I saw that poll, I would have completely ignored the connect me thing. I see Carter Hart and the word Vesna and I'm voting that without looking at the other <laughs> multiple choice questions. That's why I didn't do good on the SATs because I am impulsive. And that's what I would have gone with is Carter Hart. Okay. So I got one last one for you here. That's going to make you laugh. Got a hundred, 109 votes. Which is more likely to happen first? Nolan Patrick plays a full season. The Flyers win the Stanley Cup. Flyers trade for Patrick Laine. Or James Van Riemsdyk scores for thir- scores 30 goals. I mean, that's easy. I-, I picked JVR to score 33 goals. So it's got to be JVR because the Laine the line trade I'm just done talking about. I'm not going to keep beating a dead horse. 
I think Nolan Patrick is going to be playing games next year, but he's never played a full NHL season yet. So I'm just going to assume he's going to get hurt for a three or four game stint at some point. So I'm never going to believe that. And I think the Flyers are a great team. And I said they're going to win the Stanley Cup at some point next. Like I said, they could win it next year. But I mean, yeah, JVR is going to score 30 again. You know, relax. He's he's going to be fine. I, I think that's that's the answer I have to go with. It's not exciting. It's a boring answer. But that's the one. I'm excited. Uh, and so are 9% of other people. <laughs> so here's the re- uh, the results here. So the Flyers win the Stanley Cup. Somehow got the lowest with 12.8%. Uh, Flyers trade for line A. 14.7%. In second place, JVR scores 30 goals with 35.8%. And there are 36.7% of 109 people that think Nolan Patrick's going to play full season next year. God bless you, by the way. Who are you people? You are really <laughs> optimistic. I'm the, I know. The, I'm the host of the bright side. You should all be taking my place because that is some really optimistic thinking. And I am in Nolan Patrick's corner 100%. Yeah, we need to know who you, some some of you guys are so we can ask you some questions here. That's really optimistic, and I don't have anything negative to say about that. That would be great. That would be awesome to see. Yeah, hey, I love the kid. I think he's awesome. I would love for him to play a full NHL season. We're all in his corner. We Absolutely. all want him to be healthy. Absolutely. So you have more questions over there from uh, the Twitter? I do have one more, and it's another contract question. And this is an interesting question because I don't think it's getting talked about enough. Because I th- it, it's in the works now, and it's got to happen soon. It's from Replacement Level Bob with two Bs. His at is Pod Street Bob B-O-B-B. Oh, yeah. is, it, is it fair to use Sanheim's bridge deal as a comparable to a potential Myers deal? And I want to be very boring and very easy. Yes. Yeah, certainly. It sure is. It absolutely is. I think there's a there's a... A short-term bridge deal that's on the table, and it's done. And I think it's very close to Sandheim's. But I think they're using this time to see if they could iron something out long-term. I don't think that gets done, but I think this whole holdup is because they're looking at their other options. I think they're going to fall back on the bridge deal that is just like Sandheim's. And I think that's kind of dangerous because I think Meyer's ceiling is higher than Sandheim's. And after this bridge deal, and if he's playing with Ivan Provorov, it's going to be kind of a big deal and it's going to suck. It's going to be very expensive under the cap. But yeah, to answer your question, Bob, with two B's. Yeah, I think it's comparable. <laughs> I love Bob, by the way, man. If you guys haven't listened to the Pod Street Bullies yet, make sure you go check out their podcast. Awesome guys. Uh, so here's my thing. I agree with everything you just said. Do you think the fact that Travis Sanheim was a first round pick and Phil Myers was an undrafted free agent has anything to do with Hey, uh, you weren't a first-round draft pick. Why do you think you deserve that money? I think if Ron Hextall's uh, organization, the team that drafted Sanheim in the first round, is making that call, yes. But I think Chuck Fletcher doesn't have to have the loyalty of the players like Sanheim, Rubisov, and who else they took? Uh, Jay O'Brien and J- Joel Farabee. Of course, they like those guys. But when you're the GM that takes them in the first round, I think you have a little bit more you know, love and bias for those guys. I think with Fletcher, it's kind of a clean slate. You know, he wants to see how you guys perform. You know, fuck your draft status. You know, I'm the guy now. So I don't think in Chuck's camp, it's going to make a difference. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of wondering the same thing. Like, I think 
I felt the same way kind of with Provorov last year. Like, hmm, we're a couple weeks into the offseason. If this was a normal offseason, we'd be in, what, August right now? And camp starts in September, and Phil Myers isn't signed yet. Should I start to be worried a little bit, or what should I be thinking? And you look around the league, there's a lot of guys that need to get to the— a lot of teams that still need to get to the cap floor, that still have to sign their RFA. A lot of teams have to move defense. You know, they have too many, and the Flyers are one of them. Uh, and at the same time, they need to acquire defense. Too many defense that don't fit on the roster. So I feel like there's going to be sort of another frenzy coming up, like maybe when they announce the training camps, like when, when things are kind of real, you know, you know that you have to get your shit together. I think we see another flurry of moves. You know, when teams start signing their RFAs and they know actually how much cap space they're going to have left over and whatnot. I, I do think a deal definitely gets done. And what, what's what's Sanheim getting? Like two two years for like three million or something like that? I think he's making uh, two years, 3.5. I think that, yeah, that's more than fair for Myers. I, I, think, I, I think Myers might take a little less. Yeah. But I, so Sanheim's two years, 3.25. And I think that's just about perfect for Myers. I think Myers, since he hasn't played as many games, might come in at two years, three mil flat. Yeah. I think I think that's pretty fair for Myers on a short-term bridge deal. I would say so as well. And and he had a, a, a good season, but I'm not sure. I mean, you could you could argue the case that it wasn't good enough for three million over two years or three million average annual value over two years. You know. Uh, yeah. And I'm not – that doesn't – maybe that sounds like a backhanded compliment or whatever, but Myers had a very good year. Is he going to be very good? Yes. Did he play good enough for $3 million over two years? I don't know. Um, you could argue maybe 2.5, 2.5 to $3 million. He'll get somewhere in that range, and no matter what it is, I'll be okay with it. Yeah, he'll be on this team next year, and that's that's something we can all take pride in. Yeah, uh, do you have any more questions from polls or uh, from any Twitter DMs? Uh, you know what? Let me see here. No, you know what? I think that's it. Cool. So I have a question, and I'm going to put out this poll on Twitter, and I'm going to put out at a good time where it's going to get some decent interaction because it's a genuine question. In the three categories of goals, of assists, and of points, in this current Flyers roster, who's going to be their top scorer? Who's going to be their top goal scorer? which we already kind of went over, so maybe we don't have to spend too much time on that. And who's going to be their leading assist guy? Who do you think, Jim? So let me think about how I have my roster constructed here. Assists, I'm going to go, and this is going to surprise some people maybe, I'm going to go Jake Voracek with assists. So the way I have my, my roster kind of, constructed and i know it's just this is just for fun i have voracek playing with sean couturier and oscar Limblom next year and this is all you know perfect scenario situations so Limblom comes back plays great picks up where he left off in the regular season couturier is back to form you know the 30 goal 75 plus point score so if voracek's playing on that line he's going to benefit tremendously and so i think voracek could lead and assist goals I'm going to go – I love JVR for scoring 30 next year. 
I like TK for having a great year, but I'm going to go with Sean Couturier. Okay. Uh, uh, for goals and then points, I'm going to go with Coots again. So uh, maybe maybe some cliche names there, you know, some easy picks by me. But, you know, if that top line produces like I think it can, I think Coots gets back up into the 80. For the first time in his career, I think he scores over 80 points. Maybe he's a point-per-game guy. And uh, I think Voracek would benefit a lot from that. And uh, I think Coots puts the puck in the net a little bit more. 30, 30 goals again, 30-plus. 30 I like that. I think that's a very fair assessment. Yeah, how about you? So... I'm going to assume that the Flyers really like that line of Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, and Jake Voracek. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that's what they're going to go with all year, unless it doesn't work. And I really don't see a reason why it won't work as long as Lindblom and Patrick are playing and they're healthy. And I'm going to assume that the power play at least looks how it kind of did two years ago. And looking a little bit more revitalized and everyone scoring a little bit more and just, you know, they kind of get their shit together. And in that respect, I'm going to go assists is going to the captain, Claude Giroux. Okay. As I've already stated, I think goals are going to go to James Van Riemsdyk. And I can tell you half of them, if not more, are going to be assisted by Claude Giroux, which is rounding its way to my top point scorer, who is the captain, Claude Giroux. Wow. And I think it's going to be very close because I think Coots is going to have another great year. I think with that power play clicking, Coots is an important piece. He's not going to have a whole a lot of assists unless they're really working behind the net. So I don't think he's going to get a lot of those kind of tinky second assists that Voracek and Giroux get. But I think Voracek and I think Coots are going to score a lot. And I think both players might have near 80 points, you know, maybe high 60s, low 70s for them. And I think Giroux leads the team because of his high assist numbers. I want to say a little over 60 assists and give give the captain about 86 to 87 points on the year. And I think he leads your team in points again. And uh, we'll put that out in the Twitter sphere and see what the people think, because maybe I'm just being too optimistic on the captain. But I, I, love, so, no. I love a Giroux with a back against his wall like he had in the playoffs. And I think, you know, people started talking about him again. And I know he loves his team, and I know he's in it. And I, I got to believe in the captain because he's proved me right every other time. He's got something to prove, too. You remember those comments from Vigneault uh, at the end of the season there. He wants more from Giroux earlier, and he wants it all year long, it sounded like. Uh, mentioned something about his off-season routine or, you know, the older guys have to find ways, to, different ways to take care of their body. Uh, which to me means either you started slow or you, you went out quick, you know. So, uh, and I think Claude even had a response to that. I can't exactly what it was, but it was something to the tune of I, you know, I always take my off seasons very seriously and take care of my body. So, you know, if if it wasn't directly to Claude, somebody asked him about it and took it kind of serious. So, I think that's a good bet by you. Yeah, I think before the season, Drew said, you know, I'm not really worried about the individual stats anymore. I'm worried about getting the Stanley Cup. And I like that. I like what he said. But to get to the Stanley Cup, you got to put your team in the best position. To put your team in the best position, you're number one in your division. To be number one in your division, you need to score a lot of points and win a lot of games. The best way to win games is score a lot of points. And I think Closure is going to do that again. I know it was kind of a down year for him, even though the team had an up year. And it's just because he didn't need to be that guy anymore. 
But I think he's going to be that guy, even though he doesn't have to be. Because when that power play is clicking, that's what Giroux feeds off of. You know, that the only reason his points were in the, I want to say it was the 60s this year, maybe the 50s, was because that power play was not as good as it can be. But if everything's going right, if JVR's scoring, if Konechny's scoring, if hopefully Ghost is back up there, or if Provorov's having a good year, I think you're talking about the captain having another one of those years where he's just on top again. And he... I don't think he's in the talk for MVP. I think he he deserved it uh, two or three years ago, but he didn't get it. And, you know, that's that conversation is dead and gone. But to cement himself as a very important player in the NHL still. Yeah. And, dude, a lot of people are saying that at least the people that I talk to think I'm 33 years old and I feel young. Right. Like, I feel like you look great. (laughs) Like Claude Giroux, I think, is. 31 I want to say and you would the way people talk about this guy you think he's like 40 years old already 38 39 40 coming to the end of his career this dude has a lot to prove still still has a lot of fire still wants to win a cup I don't think what you're saying is impossible I think it's I think it's more than possible he's I think he could be a point per game player he was showing it towards the end of this season uh what I want to see is I want to see it right out of the gate. I think he's, at least to me, he's a little bit notorious for starting a little bit slow. Uh, so I want to see it right away. If he can produce right away, he's in for a big season, and so are the Flyers, I think. Yeah, uh, so Claude Giroux is going to be going on age 33 come January. Oh, okay. Which, that's kind of where you start to say, you know, they're not in the prime of their career anymore. They're going to be on the downswing, but... Giroux's obviously lost a step in his skating. His hands are still there. His shot is still there. And his hockey IQ is more than evident that it's still there. So as long as that power play is working, he's going to be fine. He's just not going to be producing at even strength the way he used to be. And he was never known for being an even strength guy in the first place. He was always a power play phenom. So I think it's very plausible that Clojure could find his way back up there in terms of the point scoring charts. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I don't think you're crazy for saying that at all. I think that's a great pick. Great choice. Yeah. yeah. Go with the guy who, you know, always proves it for us. Yeah. Captain Claude. Claude. Uh, yeah. Jim, do you have anything else for us tonight? No, as far as topics, that's it. I have a, a couple ads or promos or shout outs if I can get those in real quick here. Oh, yeah. So a couple weeks ago, we... Gained affiliation with FullPressCoverage.com. Make sure you guys go check out the site. Do yourself a favor. Go check out their app. Download it on your smartphone, Apple, Android, whatever the hell you got. I don't even know what's out there anymore these days. But download the app. It's very easy to navigate. Go to podcasts. Go to Hockey Podcasts. And you'll find High and Wide Radio along with other great podcasts to check out. We are now an official Manscaped-sponsored podcast, guys. So head over to Manscaped.com. Uh, guys, if you if you have ever you know tried to shave your nutsack with the clippers, and I know you've clipped yourself before, I've done it, Josh has done it, we've all done it. You bled a little bit, it stings. You got to bandage it up. You know, it's a thing. Head over to Manscaped.com. Go buy one of their. I think they call it the Lawnmower 4.0, 3.0. Get get the best one they got. You can use our code HW at checkout. Get 20% off, guys. Go check out manscaped.com, use our code HW, and get hooked up with some stuff. If you care about your love-making utensils, you will never use a little Bic razor on those protective parts. You <laughs> oh need my God. quality, and you need precision. 
And you're not going to find that anywhere else with the lawnmower. So listen to Jim. Get yourself the lawnmower. Everyone likes it a little trimmed up. Do yourself a favor. You know, do, do the world a favor. You know what else they got? They got, they got these uh, high-tech nose trimmers. And I don't know about you, but I'll look in the mirror someday and I'm like, does this shit grow overnight? Like with these nose hairs? Like it's good for your ears too. So that's a good one too. I think that was like 30 bucks on there. It's a lot cheaper with the HW code, 20% off. I'm going to say it again. Go use it, guys. Help us out. I just want to say and piggyback off what you just said with nose hair. I'm just turned 26 and starting to notice a little tickle in the (laughs) nose occasionally. And the girl keeps thinking I'm picking my nose because she can't see them. But they're there. They're annoying. And get rid of them because they fucking itch. Yeah. So listen to Jim. Get the lawnmower. Get the nose pickers. Get the whole shebang and use our promo code, Jim. What is that promo code? HW, baby. Actually, just HW, not baby. HW. Oh, yeah, not baby. I'm calling you guys baby. It's HW for 20% off at Manscaped. Jim, thank you so much for another great episode of The Bright Side. We're really looking forward to getting back in the swing of things with hockey here. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they know if they're listening. But just for the newbies, you know, the, the little guy who say, hey, what's The Bright Side? Let me click on that. Where can he find you on Twitter? At Jim Ike HW. Make sure you follow HW at HW underscore radio underscore. Perfect. And my name is Josh Bright on Twitter. I am Da Prices Bright, Da D-A, because they won't let me use enough characters to put the word the. For Jim, for Josh, thank you guys so much, and have a great, great Friday night.